Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. Good afternoon, New York, and the rest of our listeners around the globe. My name is June Stoyer, and I'm the host of the Organic D Radio Show. Our podcast is available on iTunes, Zoom, and you can also visit our website at www.theorganicview.com. If you'd like to be on the show or would like to find out about sponsorship opportunities, please contact us at questions at theorganicview.com. Today's show is sponsored by coronatools.com, the nation's leader in garden and landscaping tools. Listeners of The Organic View can receive 20% off their coronatools.com purchase by using the coupon code ORGVIEW. That's O-R-G-V-I-E-W. For more promotional offers, please visit our website at www.theorganicview.com. And don't forget to check out our contest section. On today's show, Tom and I are going to discuss some new research concerning water and then take a trip down memory lane to revisit significant research about neonicotinoids. First, I'd like to welcome to the show my co-host, Colorado beekeeper, Mr. Tom Theobald. Hello, Tom. Hello, June. We're back into the sunshine after a day of snow and some much-needed moisture, and by tomorrow the bees should be flying again. And how are these conditions, for the folks that don't understand what you're talking about, how do these conditions affect your bees? They're really pretty resilient at this time of the year. If they built up a reasonable population, these cold nights, they just cluster. They maintain a, a warmth in the cluster. And uh, if it warms up enough during the day, about 50 degrees is the break point. If it's sunny and 50 degrees and calm, they'll begin flying. And uh, the warmer it gets, the more active they become. So they can get through these changes in spring weather quite readily. Before we begin, I just want to take a moment to say hello to some of our listeners who tune in each week and have expressed their gratitude for all the hard work, energy, and effort that goes into this program, beginning with Jeff and Sharon Rainey from Virginia, Santa Benbarua, who is actually a beekeeper from Bangladesh, Dana Colvin, who's an eco-mom who loves the bees, Nicola Kanan from the Holy Land, and Sadek Bentubache, who's a beekeeper from Algeria. Thanks, folks, for listening to the program, and thank you so much for all of your support and your feedback. It's interesting to hear from these people because it reminds us that the things we say quite literally go around the globe. Well, the things that we do say, especially some of these topics that we discuss that no one really talks about, or if they do talk about it, it's just a brief blip in cyberspace. And unfortunately, you'll find that many of these sites that claim to be advocates are just reporting things when they need to just to boost traffic. However, there are some folks like our friend Phil Chandler, who is in the U.K. He produces a show about top bar hives and is also a bee health advocate. And we're going to talk about some of his work a little later. It's very important that the information does get out there, and especially since this does address the commercial beekeeping community, the information that we share here 
is something that is such a valuable tool for so many of our listeners out there. So thank you, folks, for all of your communications. And by all means, if you have any questions for me or for Tom, please write to us at questions at theorganicview.com. The first topic that I'd like to talk about is in regards to a U.S. geological survey that leads away about water contamination. You have the two agencies responsible, the EPA and the USDA, that aren't really doing too much in regards to this environmental catastrophe that they continue to allow happen. Saying that they're not doing too much is being kind. The reality is they're doing virtually nothing. They don't want to know how badly the soil has been contaminated or the water has been contaminated, and they're doing their best not to look. Now, you would obviously ask, why would they do that? Well, we're we're in the midst of what I believe to be, for at least the lower-level life forms, the most massive poisoning of the Earth in the history of humanity. And... The EPA and the USDA and others don't want to focus on these questions. They don't want to know what's going on out there because it's been their decisions that have led us into this disaster, and they're doing their best to turn their head the other way. Fortunately, there are other groups that are taking a closer look, and that's one of the things that we're going to talk about right now, and that is uh, analysis of the drinking water in Iowa. I'd like to read just a small portion of the information. This article appeared on April 4th, 2017 on the geneticliteracyproject.org's website, and it was written by Richard Levine, and it's titled Scientists Challenge Center for Biological Diversity Report Claiming Wild Bees Near Extinction. The report in question was released by the Center for Biological Diversity in early March titled Pollinators in Peril, a Systematic Status Review of North American and Hawaiian Native Bees. And it says, in a nationwide study of streams in the United States, at least one neonicotinoid compound was detected in 63% of the 48 streams measured. Neonicotinoids were ubiquitously detected at all streams sampled that drain intensively row-cropped areas in the Midwestern United States, 20 with maximal concentrations of 260, 43, and 190 nanograms with maximal concentrations of 260, 43, and 190 nanograms. L for clothianidin, amidacloprid, and thiamatoxin, respectively, which represent the most widely used and commonly observed compounds in this class of insecticides. That's disturbing. Well, the nanograms are parts per billion, and all of those numbers are far in excess of what the bees can tolerate or many other life forms. Well, this is something that we've been talking about for how many years, Tom? Well, it's been six or seven years that we've been talking about this, and we've been done this program on a weekly basis for three years now, perhaps? More than that. We've been doing this program for about five years, I do believe. Really? Time flies when you're having fun. Doesn't it? But this this research 
proves what so many scientists have been saying for how many years now and how industry is still able to deny the impact is preposterous well they just lie if you look at this report by what more properly should be called the genetic illiteracy project um, they simply ignore the science there's an overwhelming avalanche of science implicating these neonicotinoids in all manner of destruction and these pro chemical articles just ignore the science and in many cases just flat out lie once again this is something that has been talked about for the last several years and the fact that you have this type of contamination it's an outrage EPA and USDA should be doing something instead of waiting to hear what industry has to say it's it's very clear that they take the lead from industry. I just hope that this interview doesn't get censored because of what we're saying. And I will say that the interviews that were censored were re-released, so thank you to the folks at YouTube. But moving forward, it's almost like a crapshoot because we never know what's going to be censored, what's going to be buried. And once again, this is not something that is our opinion. This is something that is based upon research. Let's talk a little bit about the uh, findings in Iowa about uh, neonicotinoids in drinking water. Once again, wherever we look, we find these chemicals, and drinking water is of great concern. Well, Tom, can you explain what the sublethal effects of neonicotinoids are for our listeners that uh, may be new to the whole subject or might not have remembered for some reason? Well, I'll do my best. The, the, the science that we have before us tells us that these chemicals target synapses of which insects have a large number. Mammals, including us, have relatively few. But the research also shows us that there is no safe dose because the effect on the synapses is cumulative and irreversible. So the question is, if it has a, a ready effect on the insects, what's the latency for mammals, for human beings? How long do we have to be exposed to these, and at what level, before we begin to see the health consequences and the neurological disruptions? And are we beginning to see some of those indicators already? Some of the science would suggest that we are. And then there's the dose-time ratio, which was conducted by Dr. Hank Kennecke's. I don't know what year he published it, but it's been a number of years now. And that research has never been negated. And the bottom line is once a certain ratio, once a certain dosage has been reached, death is imminent. So we're starting to get to that, that very scary point, Tom, where it's in the water, it's evident that it's in the water, and so I guess the next thing that we, we're going to start seeing is the human health impact on a wide scale, not on a small scale, but on a wide scale, because we need water to live. Well, the dose-time ratio raises some perplexing questions, and one of the things that it says is if, let's just take an arbitrary number of 100, if you had 100 units of something, and it had a lethal effect, 
What the dose-time ratio says is that you could administer a fraction of that 100, let's just say two rather than 100, two of units of this particular substance, and add the element of time, it will produce the same endpoint, which is death, but with a much smaller amount given sufficient time. Is that what we're going to see in drinking water? Unfortunately, that's exactly what we're going to be seeing, but it, once again, we need the science to show what... We need the science to prove it, to prove that X number of people must die, and that's the case with anything, whether it's putting in a stop sign, stoplight, changing a law, whatever the case may be, a number of people must die in order for the change to take place and that seems like a very grim reality but that's that's how it is well we can't we can't rely on death to justify the science the science is clear the science in in most cases is inarguable and steps should have been taken long ago to address these damages and haven't been well this leads into our next subject which is in regards to our dear friend and fellow bee health advocate, Phil Chandler, who resides in the UK. He made a video called Colony Collapse Disorder, colon, It's Pesticide Stupid, which he created back in 2011. And it featured two well-known scientists, Dr. Jeff Pettis and Dr. Dennis Van Engelsdorf, which was actually recorded in 2009. Here's some of the key points, and these are direct quotes. Dr. Van Engelsdorf said, we're finding that virus levels are much higher in CCDBs, but we are not finding a consistent virus or a consistent pathogen. Something is breaking down their immune system so that they are more susceptible to disease. And then Dr. Pettis said, we exposed whole colonies to very low levels of neonicotinoids in this case, and then challenged bees from those colonies with nosema, which is a gut pathogen. We saw an increase in nosema levels in direct response to the low-level feeding of neonicotinoids as compared to those we fed normal protein. Then Dr. Van Engelsdorf replied, you measured that effect at levels that you could not detect the pesticides. So that brings up the question, if it is having that effect at the low doses, we wouldn't have discovered that in our study because it was well below the limit of detection. The only reason we knew the bees had exposure was because we exposed them. Otherwise, we would have never known they were exposed. Then, Dr. Pettis states, the take-home message is that interactions may be the key. Bee health is very complex. These interactions are often overlooked and are hard to tease apart. So in this case, we are manipulating one pesticide and one pathogen, and we clearly see the interaction. This was very important even astounding research and this was groundbreaking news and I think it's interesting to look at what's happened over the intervening eight years. Dr. Pettis was removed from his position as the research leader for the uh, Agricultural Research Service and Dennis Van Engelsdorp was uh, given an assistant professorship at the University of Maryland and the Bee Informed Partnership and, and has been very careful to 
to direct the attention toward mites. He's singing the mantra of the corporate world, which is, it's the mites, it's the varroa mites, and has very carefully avoided the pesticide issue. So where are we eight years after this interview? Well, Pettis is working for a Swiss university, I believe, and Dennis Van Engelsdorp is making excuses for the chemicals, and the beekeepers are in worse condition than they have ever been, and no progress has been made. Unfortunately, I don't think that much progress is going to be made. Well, we have to. Uh, the beekeepers can only hold out for so long. And if we can't keep the bees alive, we don't have a beekeeping industry. And we need to face these problems of environmental poisoning head on, and we're not. I agree with you, Tom. But once again, this is why we do the show that we do each week. So, Tom... Thank you for joining me today. And folks, by all means, say something right to your elected officials, right to your congressmen, right to your senators. We need to do something to protect our bees as well as our other pollinators. Well, Tom, thank you for joining me today. And folks, next week, Tom is going to hit the road with Miles McGahee as they take their annual trip to California. This is... Uh an exciting time of the year. We're going to California to the Conan Company, where we will be doing what's called shaking bees, filling packages with three pounds of bees in each package and a new queen. I, I, I try to explain it to people, and I find it's easier if I kind of put it in the ranching context. These are like calves that are being brought back to Colorado to replace the losses that ranchers have experienced and repopulate the herd. These packages will be the beginning of new colonies of bees, and typically it would take a year for them to make their winter stores, and then the following year, if they survive, they will come online as producing colonies. Miles and I have made this trip uh, every year now for several years, and... Uh, it's always a very tense situation. Moving bees is like hauling ice cream. It's a very perishable commodity, and, and we have to be very careful, and we're on pins and needles until we finally bring them here to Colorado, healthy and alive, and get them into the hands of the people who are buying them. So we'll be off Sunday, gone for a week, and uh, we hope to do an on-the-road as we travel out to California and back again. I'm sure it's going to be very exciting. It always is. Folks, thank you so much for tuning in. And I wanted to quickly mention just one more shout-out to Bill Castro, who's down in Maryland. He always has something pleasant to say about all the work that we do. So thank you so much, Bill. Folks, thanks for tuning in. This has been June Sawyer with the Organic View Radio Show. Have a great afternoon. Tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash boost by tax day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. 
Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC.